Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. And you're listening to the Cultum Collective podcast on TalkShoe. That's TalkShoe ID uh, 54821. You can ring in using the um, TalkShoe number, which is uh, 724-444-7444. And with me in the room is my co-host, Ian the Sixth Doctor. Hi, Ian. Hello. I've been split in two today. I'm managing the room on one side of reality and uh, talking on the other. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, for those of you who are listening to this later, we've had some uh, technical hiccups. So we're starting a little late, so we're going to be uh, trying to keep on schedule for all the people who are in the room today. Do you think that should be our strap line, Ian? We're having technical problems. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, as some of you will have noticed, uh, we've uh, had a slight adjustment to uh, the show. We were planning on doing a uh, two shows, uh, science fiction in comedy and comedy in science fiction, but neither Dave nor I could agree on what shows fell, fell into what categories. So to simplify it for the show, we decided to just make it comedy and sci-fi, all rolled into one, so we didn't spend most of our time arguing whether it was actually sci-fi or whether it was actually a comedy. <laughs> uh, and did we decide whether I was the straight man or the funny man? Um, it depends on how much wine you've had. <laughs> slurp, 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 slurp. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't di- uh, stop anybody who's in the room who who would like to put forward their definition of the two and keep them separate from their contributions. But um, uh, that was why we played, I hope you all recognised it, Third Rock from the Sun, just to get us all in a sort of a party mood. Uh, but we are going to uh, introduce people in the room and then uh, go with some news. Uh, are you going to do the introductions, Ian, and then... Yes, I will, since I am in control of the room. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Starting from the top, Mr. This Week in Doctor Who, Mr. Benjamin Elliott. Hello, Benjamin. Oh. Now, are you in control of the room or in chaos? <laughs> I'm in control Ta-da. of the room, which is Ignore the chaos. man behind the curtain. Ignore the man behind the curtain. <laughs> Also joining us, as ever, Mr. Darth Skeptical. Hello, Darth. Hello, everybody. 
Oh, I think he's falling asleep. Because <laughs> it's been one of those days where you could quite easily take a nap before the show starts. <laughs> hmm. Also joining us did. from way, way across the other side of the globe, Ramana too. Hello, Ramana. If this thing will unmute. Oh, there she is. Hello, boys. Hello, Ramana. Hey. Hi. Hi. <laughs> and joining from just up the road uh, is Diane. Hello, Diane. Hello. Oh, hello. she's there. Hello. Hello. <laughs> no, I said hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. All right, and for the LOs. Joining us live from Cardiff, it's Mr. Tim Jury. Hello, Tim. Oh, hello, everybody. <laughs> Come on, professional, and, and, professional. And talk, 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 talking, about, talking about danger of falling asleep, I'm lying down on, on my bed at the moment. <laughs> oh, he's fly- Here's our man in Cardiff but, uh, but, lying down on the job. <laughs> yeah, but plenty of news to bring you anyway. Good. I'm at the, um, the cold face, at the absolute cold face. Okay, and uh, I don't know if we should uh, should allow him into the room. He's late. Yeah, I hope he has a note from his mother. Sorry, Charlie. Yeah, yeah, just... Charlie, 70.9. <laughs> Hello, Charlie. We'll let you off the hook this time. Next time you're going to have to bring right. a note from your mum. And maybe some yeah, goodies. All right, all right. <laughs> He's probably thought, these guys will take half an hour to get their act together. That's exactly. Yeah. But I'm surprised what act. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I think it's news time. It's news time. Seamless. Absolutely seamless. No, seamless. uh, With uh, Benjamin Elliott, uh, this week in Doctor Who guy in our presence, let's go to him. Thank you, Dave. Okay, now, things have gotten a little bit interesting lately. First off, uh, people have been waiting for Search and Adventures Series 2 in the U.S. and Canada for a long time, as BBC Kids has never aired them, and Sci-Fi has specifically said that they didn't pick them up because the ratings were too low for Series 1. Well, uh, Sarah Jane will become available in the U.S. and Canada, it will just make its premiere on DVD. Now, this this sounds vaguely familiar to me. Like in 2006, we were supposed to get Doctor Who on DVD before television broadcast. And then they made a last-minute change. But at least here in the States, because no one had bought the show. The current plan is that the DVD will be... Okay. Tuesday, November 10th, the complete second series will be out in stores in the U.S. and Canada. Presumably the same as the U.K. set. So, so if you've been waiting for Sarah Jane and not going through other means to see it, you can get your fix in November. Now, the... Mm-hmm. Torchwood, Children of Earth. Last week I announced that Germany was going to be the first country to see it in possibly a non-English language version. Well, another country has jumped, another network has jumped the line. BBC Entertainment Latin America, everything Mexico, all of um, Central America and South America, will actually get Torchwood before Germany. So, if you want your um, Torchwood 
Hub blown up in Spanish. Tuning to BBC Entertainment. They don't give the time zones. So 11 p.m. at whatever their main time zone is on Tuesday, September 8th, uh, they start airing Children of Earth weekly. Uh, RTL2 in Germany gets it weekly beginning September 16th. And then, and as far as Doctor Who goes, it's a little bit quieter. Spain's about to get Series 3 next week. Uh, the second of Doctor Who, the Doctor Who Greatest Moments specials airs in the UK on Thursday, the Companions one. And the final one, The Enemies, airs this coming Thursday. And we don't have a date for Waters of Mars. We don't have a date for anything else. Oh, and in more general news, for people, for television in general, Many Americans have BBC America, this little cable channel that uh, bought. Uh, you remember it airs Torchwood and this little show called Doctor Who. Well, they're revamping the daytime lineup. So beginning Labor Day, they're going to have daytime marathons of old television shows. So at least six hours a day to a specific show. And they're going to bring back stuff like Cracker, including the Cracker story where Christopher Eccleston left the cast in the way that he left. People who know the story get the reference. Uh, they're bringing back MI5, including episodes BBC America never aired. They're bringing back Hotel Babylon, episodes they did air, Robin Hood, Primeval, Doctor Who. Uh, so it's a big mix, eclectic mixture of stuff. And on Sunday, September 13th, they're going to have a 13-and-a-half-hour Doctor Who marathon from 6.30 in the morning Eastern to 8 p.m. Pacific. It will include the first full-length showing of Journey's End on that station and a repeat of Next Doctor and Planet of the Dead in advance of the Next Doctor's DVD release on September 15th. And there's probably some other stuff, but I think that's all that people are interested in right now, so... Thank you. Okay, thank you okay, very I, much. I, for I, that, I think we have uh, some breaking news, don't we, Dave? Or yeah, do um, I've off? just asked that Logan, Logan, who's in the room, um, who's not with audio, has just put that uh, the Cultum Collective uh, podcast is broken into the top 100 of Torture podcasts. Now, I'm not quite sure of the actual uh, number we're at and whether it's to do with the number of live listeners are down. Uh, our downloads, but I know that you were very, well I'm very pleased, but I know that you were very impressed yourself Ian with the fact that um, our numbers have gone up week on week and yeah. uh, we're getting back to where uh, our former glory days Yes, uh, on the aforementioned show um, Yeah, Dave and I were talking last night and I looked at the numbers for the uh, the I Am The Doctor Whether You Like It Or Not show that we did last week and as of uh, midnight last night, uh, which ended out the week, uh, we had uh, 92 downloads for that particular Ooh. episode. Yeah, um, uh, obviously, if you add in the people that were there live on the show, uh, which was about another 20 or so, uh, and there were Mac downloads for the old shows, I mean, there was over 100, nearly 150, was it, in total yes. downloads? Yeah. Um, Logan just put in the text chat oh. that uh, it's for the uh, amount of live callers. And we're number Ooh. 81. So thanks to you guys for showing up week after week. Um, and on top of that, thank you to uh, 
to everybody who's been downloading the show, it's it's you know more than we expected, and you know, and it's great that you guys uh, think we're interesting enough to listen to week after week. Yeah, and so whether you're catching us from say Podcast Alley or catching us by subscribing on iTunes, uh, if you want to come and visit us live, uh, we're you know, we're fairly harmless, we're very friendly, we're not particularly organised, but we do have fun. <laughs> Um, so um, we better not pat ourselves anymore on the back let's get on yeah. with the news uh, I've just got a few things before I hand over to Tim uh, I forgot to mention that uh, Tiggs Panther said he probably wouldn't be able to make it today so sorry Tiggs we hope to have you next week uh, no Joker file um, this week but he did ask me to just uh, mention his uh, uh, if anybody hasn't caught it yet he does a parody of a well known time travelling show and it's called Professor How and that's on TalkShoe ID 59601. Um, and, of course, he does his uh, B-Movie Invasion podcast, which is 57949. And I think the next one that he puts up early in September, that's the one that I'm uh, a guest on. And since Logan Run, uh, Logan, who does Logan's Run, has been so kind, I ought to mention that Logan's Run is podcast ID 498 double nine and um the last show that is up on the talk show site was the one that uh that i joined him for in an open mic one uh, yeah, actually, I'm, might I'm, have had a, another show since then. Perhaps. i'm keeping tabs on young dave here because uh he keeps showing up on other podcasts he's <laughs> cheating on me no, no, no. I keep getting he, he keeps losing sleep. That's what he keeps doing. <laughs> I keep getting solicited, Ian. I mean, if these people come up with, you know, cross my hands with silver and all that, you know, I go where the money is. But they bribe him with show. friendship. Yeah. So uh, it's news. Um, next Sunday is, of course, the long-awaited Hoover's meeting that is at the Midlands Railway Centre. Uh, in uh, is it part near Derbyshire, um, Ripley, Derbyshire, and that is on Sunday the 6th of September. And the guests at the moment are uh, Colin Baker, the Sixth Doctor, Nick Briggs, the voice of the Daleks and other monsters, and of course, very uh, specially, was in the uh, Torchwood Children of Earth. Uh, and it was great to see him acting, he acted his socks off on that, so he did a really good job. Uh, Annika Wills, companion to William Hartnell and the Patrick Troughton Doctors. Toby Haydock, the comedian uh, Mothset My Dot Two Scarf Guy. Ian Fairburn from The Invasion, Inferno, Macratara, Seeds of Doom. Cheryl Hall, who was in Carnival and Monsters, and is also was in Citizen Smith, which is a UK comedy. And um, there also will be a podcasting panel, which James from uh, the um, Gallifrey and Embassy podcast, a number of others, amongst myself, will be on a panel uh, trying to help people to do a slightly professional show, which is a bit embarrassing given the start we had today, but there you go. Um, that is uh, from 10am till 5pm on Sunday the 6th of September, and then uh, I bought my ticket only this week, um, and I know uh, Tim is going to it as well. Uh, the second Who at the Fab Cafe in Manchester, that's the Fab Cafe, Portland Street, Manchester. Tickets are £25, £26 if you buy um, it online with PayPal, and it's Sunday the 7th of November. Uh, again, uh, 
10 a.m. till 5 p.m. I don't think there's an even, evening cabaret this time. Confirmed guests, uh, Georgia Moffat. Jenny? I think, there might, I think there might be a band, Dave, but there isn't okay. any comedians this time. Uh, well, the, the comedian is, is, is going, the chap who compared last time, but whether he's doing a, an extra set or not, I don't know. No, um, don't India think Fisher? India Fisher, who played Charlie Pollard. Mary Tam, that's the first Romana, Romana 2. So, um, uh, Richard Franklin, Mike Yates, Terence Dick, um, writer, script editor, novelist, and Andrew Carmel, uh, script editor. So, uh, that is uh, one that uh, is later this year. So, that's pretty much, I think, my news. And uh, over to Tim with a little news and then hopefully a little report. Well, um, this is this is a sort of special preview to anyone that's listening to this show because I'm putting together a podcast myself about my um, trip to Cardiff, which will be out hopefully on Tuesday because I have Tuesday afternoon off work, and so I will be editing it furiously from lunchtime. But um, I will I will give you a, a pricey of what's been going on. Um, Got here um, yesterday uh, around lunchtime, and after I'd settled in at the hostel where I'm staying and watched a bit of TV, I thought, oh, well, I'll sit out. And because I'd been all over um, Gallifrey Base for the past few days, trying to find out where Doctor Who filming had been going on, I discovered that they were at a place called Jacob's Antique Market. And uh, as I was booking in at the hotel, hostel, whatever, uh, I said, um, could you tell me where this Jacob's Antiques Market is? And they marked it on a map of Cardiff, and they've got a nice pile of maps of Cardiff at reception. And so I took the map of Cardiff, and I followed it, and I found this Jacob's Antiques Market. In the back uh, car park of it, uh, there was a bunch of uh, filming-related vans with things like Panelux written on it. And there was, uh, quite tellingly, a security guard sat by an entrance that would take you down into the basement area. Well, just as I went past the building, I looked into the door that led down to the stairs into the basement, and by pure chance, at that very moment, I saw Matt Smith on those stairs walking down into the basement in full costume. My heart skipped. Did you blink? I Don't started, blink. Did you blink? I start. I started shaking. <laughs> I rushed around the corner and I rapidly made a phone call to Dave. <laughs> I thought, Oh my god! Oh my god! I've got to tell somebody. Yeah, and, uh, and that was, the, that was could, the nearest person on his dial. And <laughs> and, and as, as 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 somebody who follows the um, Doctor Who set reporter people on Twitter, I was. Really surprised that none of them were there, and then I was trying to backtrack in my mind what what they'd said about the place. And the main words they'd said was, "Oh, nothing to see," because all the filming was going on in the basement. They did, however, and if you follow Alan Vega on Twitter, you may have heard these bits of audio. Um, some Matt Smith dialogue has leaked and is on Alan Vega's Twitter feed. So that's Alan underline Vega, 
on Twitter with Alan spelled A L U N. Do we need a spoiler warning here, not? To well, that's, that's the it, thing. It, it, it is. It is a big spoiler warning. These are yes. actual bits of dialogue that will be in the program or may get edited out, but they are certainly right. bits of dialogue that have been shot. How Sorry, so how, how do we know that? Seconds. How do we know that? How do we know that? How do we know? How do we? It How was do we know that? On because film. because I've heard both of them, and one of them is a line that Matt Smith is delivering to the enemy of this story, and the other is a line by the enemy of this story, and yeah. because we're so heavily not wanting to tell people anything about this story, because of the voice of this enemy, I can so, tell you it is definitely an actual line from the show. So you're saying that you personally heard this line that is leaking out? Not, not, yeah, I, 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 have, I have heard the audio recording that someone else has made, yes. But you weren't present at the recording of that. I mean, I'm just wondering how we trust this Oh, source. no, 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 no. I, I wasn't present at the recording of it, but it is, it is a very reliable source because it is one of the Doctor Who set reports. There is, it certainly uh, sounds like let, his let, voice. Let me break it down for you, um, Darth. Uh, there are a number of trusted sources, people who do follow the, the, the crew around filming. Um, Alan Vega and Scooty um, are the two main guys, and um, they only report fact and this is the first time they've really captured major audio from there and as Tim was saying this is being recorded in the basement and it's it's actually the basement that was used in Love and Monsters right so if you remember I mean, the elevator shaft is open yeah. and um, Alan was standing well, at the top of the stairs and uh, Matt Smith was yelling these this line out, and so Alan well, captured the audio from the top of the stairs. But how did yeah, he the, get the, access to make this sort of recording? Look, look I'll, tell you the, I'll tell you around. the way. Darth, Darth, I'll tell you the way the building is laid out. They have they have been filming in the basement of this building. I, I, this I, I building get, is a shop. The rest of the building is open. You can stand by a ground floor lift or elevator as you'd say on your side of the Atlantic and because it's just a lift shaft straight down into the basement you can just stand there and listen so you do not have to infringe on the privacy of the crew you do not have to break any laws you are just standing there and listening Right, before we go any further, uh, <laughs> are we actually going to hear this or not, or are we... No, uh, I don't think we should, that, well, I that, think I know what, what this is, and it's a huge spoiler, so... Well, no. basically, <laughs> basically, we don't want to spoil people, but I, ha well, I have now link we can, said... Is there a link we can put in the room, at least, then, maybe? Or can um, we find that? I will, uh, I, will, I will try and track down... I will track down Alan Vegas' Twitter feed and put it in the chat for you. I think okay. Lewis and has put it on the Galaxy Embassy. Yeah, basically it's 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 buyer beware. Yeah. If you, if you don't it want to spoil, don't look. Definitely <laughs> buyer beware. I have told you it is a major spoiler. And unfortunately, and because of the irresponsibility of this guy, uh, you don't have to listen to it to be spoiled. 
Well, at least we're not uh, adding to that. That's the point. Click, click, clicking on the link will instantly spoil it for you whether you actually listen to the clip or not. Okay, but... Darth, we can't please other people. All we can do is please ourselves. I know, but I, we, I think, uh, I think we, it deserves an extra strong warning. People. I know, but it deserves well, an extra strong warning because it's not... As th- Go ahead. I, I have to agree with you, Darth, because he has put it in both text on his Twitter feed as well as in audio on the link that you follow on his Twitter feed. So, as I say, buyer beware. If you follow the link, link you're going to be spoiled. The, the, for people listening on audio, it's Twitter got, twitter.com, Alan underline Vega, with Alan spelt A-L-U-N. Yeah. You have the reason, war. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason why we're being most careful about that, people are listening later, is that um, although you won't be privy to the actual text chat that we have ongoing now, it is um, downloadable later using a text chat grabber. So... Um, uh, I think we ought to. We, this is great stuff, Tim. But uh, I think mm. um, um, we need think, to move I mean, along. Obviously, you, you're going to give a fuller report on your own show, and quite rightly too. Do you mm. want to just give us? Um, uh, do you just want to tell us where that will be when it actually goes up? Well, your, well when, your when, rep- when it goes, your report. My, mine will be on um, tto.mypodcast.com. Okay. Anything else um, you want to just round off with before? I'll I'll I'll, I'll briefly tell you about the um, Yanto tributes because I yeah that's uh, t- today y- yesterday I was looking around the city centre of Cardiff and today I set myself the task of doing the Bay Area, which I w- I would have come back and had a brief look at that antiques market because there were crew members there first thing this morning. But anyway, I spent all day over at Cardiff Bay and about the second or third place I went was the tourist information Torchwood hub entrance which is literally covered in tributes to Yanto Jones Uh, I I went through the lot with my camera and I thought oh I'll I'll just photograph all of them so I spent about five or ten minutes photographing all of them individually so I had nice clear photographs and they're all preserved and documented and then I got back to the hostel tonight and I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll try and upload them. I'll put them in a special group on Flickr. There's over 170 of them. So ba- basically, uh, they are from... Slov- they're, they're far and wide. They're from the UK. They're from Slovakia. They're from Russia. They're from the USA. You, you name it, there's some kind of thing. It's such a shame uh, Romana 2 is not coming to the UK until next year because she'd be there as the tortured representative of uh, all the, all the down-under squee, squee brigade. Well, well, I know there's um, a few LA communities on um, LiveJournal that have basically been saying, send stuff to me, I'm going to Cardiff Bay to put it up. So I could have sent something if I wanted to, but I just never got around to it. Right, Tim, uh, I know you're mm. going to do a full report yourself, so let me stop you there. Uh, I'll just at least ask Muramana. Is there anything you wanted to just ask Tim about that while we're on this particular part of the show? Uh, uh, can we move no, I on? I can't really think of much except except upload all the photos because I want to see them all. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Well, thanks, Tim. I'm going to stop you there if you don't mind because one of the things we said, people, before the actual recording started, that last week's show, although it was 
a lot of people liked it. They did feel as though we spent a little bit too long prior to getting on to the main topic. But um, I've just been told uh, by Ian in text that Benjamin's remembered another piece of news. So, Benjamin, do you just want to uh, okay, come well, back I'll with that? Okay, well, I'll quick, but Meeps pointed out that Eve Miles, uh, Gwen Cooper on Torchwood, is starring in a, in a show called Framed on BBC One tomorrow night at 8.30 p.m. It's a 90-minute all-Welsh drama about... Uh, the story of 10-year-old Dylan Hughes and his family struggled to keep a small petrol station in North Wales afloat. And apparently it's supposed to be a rather uh, amusing little story and rather, and they're hoping it's going to be a big thing. And she's in it with some guy named Trevor Reed. And I'm not particularly familiar about it, but if you're interested in Eve Miles and tales about the Welsh, it's on tomorrow. So I think we can get to our topic now unless anyone else has stuff. <laughs> okay, Ian, are you happy for to do that? Are oh, you got yep. anything to add? No. Um, yeah, no, let's let's barrel on. <laughs> okay, well, since we started with a little clip of the third rock, I'll just play one little short piece for it, and then I'll remind people of the topic. You got there, Harry. Oh, well, yesterday I was exploring the park, and I found this stone. Look at it. It's been worn to a perfect sphere by the elements and dimpled by time. Harry, that's a golf ball. <laughs> You've got way too much free time on your hands. Well, you know, Dick, I've tried a lot of different things since we got to Earth, and I've made a discovery. I'm not good at anything. Welcome to the club. <laughs> so <laughs> Sounds uh, like a perfect description of the show. Oh, look, yeah. there's a golf ball. So, um, the idea is that we, uh, if you caught my uh, DAC 100 videos where I was showing that the, this was going to be, uh, would you like some comedy with that sci-fi, we've actually broadened it out to talk about comedy and sci-fi and sci-fi uh, with uh, comedy elements. So um, if people individually want to sort of uh, profess differences and so on, that's by all means. But uh, we can talk from anything from ALF to Star Trek, from Goodnight Sweetheart Heart to uh, Red Dwarf, from Angel to Buffy to um, uh, Mork and Mindy. So um, with that, Ian, I feel so um, I ought to let you have the first crack at this and then uh, we'll go down the line. Okay, dokie. Well, the one that brings is is forefront in my mind at the moment is uh, is a lovely show, which I, the only thing that um, Siffy uh, does well, <laughs> by that I mean Sci-Fi Channel, um, this show Eureka, um, awesome. it has it has a brilliant balance of both comedy, uh, science fiction, and and a little bit of drama thrown in the mix, and it it juggles the three rather well. Um, and I I I just love the show. Um, you you get some, some nice serious science con science fiction content in there with, uh. Gravity bubbles and uh, sonic scrubbings of the whole facility to you know, just all sorts of wonderful things, and uh, but then you have uh, these wonderful comedy elements. Uh, for example, uh, uh, one of the lead characters, Fargo, being turned green and uh, asking whether because now he's he's green, <laughs> if he gets angry, will he have super strength? Uh, had to be there, of course. The difficulty with this show is explaining these funny moments is less funny than actually watching them. 
Um, so for me, Eureka at the moment is, is is one of those great successes where they've managed to blend all of these things together and create a, a really, I think, a, a nice, unique little show. And again, it's the one thing that the Sci-Fi Channel has actually succeeded in. Ooh, and it was silent for <laughs> I did. I did stop. I did. That's a stop. Yeah, I did, that's what I mean. I didn't expect. I thought. I thought we were in for a, 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 a diatribe there. Oh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to be good. <laughs> no, you're supposed to be funny. I'll be the good oh. one. <laughs> Um, uh, well, I just I put in the text that um, if Romana wanted to go next, but uh, Romana, are you happy to go next? Um, yeah, I was looking through that link that you posted, and it just reminded me of one of my favourite shows, Invader Zim. Um, it's an animated, um, like cartoon type series, um, produced by Nickelodeon in the early 2000s, um, created by Johan Vasquez, who I've actually met. So. Um, yeah, it's it's a funny show. It's it's very much um, that kind of kids type of show, but it's got a very dark edge and very kind of um, black humour to it, and it amuses me highly. Um, I don't know if anyone else is much of a fan of it. It's more of the kind of comic science fiction type of thing. Um, yeah, it's basically about an alien who goes to Earth and tries to blend in um, and does a really bad job, but he's just really... He can't. He's just really bad at trying to invade the earth, and um, yeah, it's about him and trying to blend in, and it's just really wacky and zany, and um, it's amusing. <laughs> in in yeah. a general sense, do you actually like <coughs> the mixture of science fiction and comedy? I mean, I must admit, when Red Dwarf originally came out, I was so looking forward to a science fiction. I, I was very disappointed that it was a comedy, and then of course it won me over because it was so good. Certainly the early ones. I mean. Uh, I mean, do you see, think the two things should be kept separate, or are you quite happy no. to? No. Right, go on. If it's, a, if, it's a, if it's a good story, you can have whatever. You know, I'm not one not one of the people who says, oh, it's not science fiction, I don't like it. You know, it's, if, it's, if I enjoy it, I enjoy it, you know, so I don't really care. <clears throat> okay. Uh, right, um... I'll come back to everybody. I'm just going to get initial impressions. We've got uh, uh, Charlie and uh, P79. Do you want to go ahead? Well, um, you know, I was just thinking. I wasn't thinking of like specific TV shows. I was no, thinking no, no. Of, uh, just general, if you want. Yeah, but I was like, my well, um, when I heard about the topic, I was thinking about uh, science fiction shows that have uh, comedy elements. Of course. Um, like a couple, like a couple of the X file episodes, like um, uh, uh, Clyde Buckman's final proposal, the one with, where Peter Boyle sees uh, how people are going to die before it happens, or uh, uh, Jose Chung's Outer Space. Um, you know the Star Star Trek episode Trouble with Tribbles, um, stuff like that. Those, those, are, those are. You know, um, right, let me well, just um, play a little bit of that while you mentioned it. How long have you had that thing with it? Since yesterday, Doctor. This morning I found out that he... <laughs> I mean, she had had babies. Well, I'd say in that case you got a bargain. You running a nursery, Lieutenant? Oh, Captain. Well, I hadn't intended to, sir, but the triple had other plans. Did you get this at the space station? 
Yes, sir. Most curious creature, Captain. Its trilling seems to have a tranquilizing effect on the human nervous system. Fortunately, of course, I am immune to its effect. <laughs> Just to accentuate it, they have the comedy music. But um, <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, finding some of these clips, I must have listened to, I watched about uh, 10 hours of YouTube clips, and, and so many of them, you look promising, and then they'd have so much music, a soundtrack, or music, or they'd be chopped and edited so that I couldn't get clips. Anyway, that was one of the ones you liked, Charlie, yeah? Yeah. Um, other ones I was thinking, I was thinking of a couple uh, Twilight episodes, Twilight Zone episodes. Um, the one that comes to mind, like the one where, where um, some aliens give Burgess Meredith super strength. Um, there's a couple other ones. Um, and uh, the last one I'll, I'm thinking of right now is just Futurama. That's, that's basically the... Uh, you know, the, you know, we're a good blend of sci-fi and comedy, right? That's all. Right. That's all I have to say right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, as I say, perhaps needlessly, Ian and myself, perhaps we are sort of, uh, you know, not too good. Um, well, what I'm going to do is, um, uh, Dan's not quite ready to go yet. So uh, while I just uh, give Benjamin Elliot a, a moment just to know that I'm going to jump towards him next, let me just play another little. Uh, Star Trek uh, 1. How close will we come to the nearest Klingon outpost if we continue on our present course? One parsec, sir. Close enough to smell them. That is illogical, Ensign. Odors cannot travel through the vacuum of space. <laughs> I was making a little joke, sir. Extremely little, Ensign. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, of course, that, that, that's one of the explanations that those are... Uh, science fiction episodes that tend to have a funny episode uh, they have a funny character uh, uh, they sort of uh, go a little bit off the wall um, you know like uh, shore leave or something like that where crazy things happen right. and then of course there are the actual comedy shows that um, basically the sci-fi is just really the background to it so um, uh, Benjamin yeah, are you okay to go next? Sure and I think uh, I'm going to name a show which really sort of rode roughshod over all the lines. It began life in 1986 as ALF. So, so originally you have ALF, a live action comedy. So you have NBC's primetime stuff, Monday nights, you know, and it's this family show about this family a family comedy that's interrupted by a 238-year-old Nomakian named Al who crash lands at the house and starts uh, proving that Fonzie was not the worst, well, was not the worst gig crasher you could have at your home. <laughs> but, and, and so you have this, com it's basically situation comedy with an alien. And it did very well. So well that NBC decided to bulk up their Saturday morning schedule the next season. And so for the second season, it continued as a primetime show, but they added a Saturday morning cartoon that was set about 10 years earlier. Basically, you know, Caprica thinks it's so uh, impressive and everything. Like, um, you know, uh, if you listen to Staggering Stories and they had the little joke about, um, when you're watching Battlestar Galactica, did uh, Caprica seem like a really interesting place? Would you like to see what it looked like 
in the past, say 1950s style. That's what this ALF series was. This was a sci-fi show in the worlds around Nomak set just a few years before the devastation. And for making both shows at the same time, you have a comedy with sci-fi and a sci-fi show with comedy. Then, to mix it up some more, for the third year, they created a second ALF cartoon series. I imagine this one may have gotten mixed in with the other one when it sold overseas. And they started doing remakes of historical stories where they did ALF tales. ALF would get into do historical stuff with virtually no sci-fi at all except the alien again. So you had three different versions of ALF running at the exact same time. And then they all got canceled in 1990. Oh, and then a few years ago, they just tried an ALF talk show on TV Land where he tried to be a talk show host. With Ed McMahon as as his co-host. Well, well, to be fair, they've done a they effectively done a pilot for that in 1988 because in one episode of ALF, I think because of the writer's strike, they had a one-hour ALF episode on the set of the Tonight Show without the cast, where he had done something with Johnny Carson, and he stepped in and hosted the show with Ed McMahon as the sidekick. I don't think that one reruns a lot. So you have ALF, which tried to play every possible angle. Comedy is sci-fi, sci-fi as comedy, uh, sci-fi as historical anthology series, and talk show. It wasn't the greatest of shows, as, <laughs> in fact, in some ways, it was a rather painful show to look back on. But it, it's interesting what they tried there. It was a marketing gimmick, but it was more than a marketing gimmick. And mm-hmm. get a bit of credit for that. And Caprica, you are ripping off Alf, the cartoon series. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, it's gonna, at this gonna, point I want to interrupt Benjamin and say Alf may not may not have been a great show, but thank goodness we only had the one version of it over here in the UK. Yeah, <laughs> which one did you get? Alf, Alf the cartoon. We or just Alf we Hill? just had Alf. We've only you ever didn't had get Alf. The cartoon shows? I think I think we ha- we may have had the cartoon shows, but the one, the one the one I've yeah the one I've mostly watched uh, has been Alf, which first aired on ITV. And then it slipped onto one of the digital channels, but I couldn't tell you which off the top of my head. The sidekicks in the ALF cartoon show also are various recurring characters in ALF tales. And in the final episode of ALF, the TV series, where the ATF is, the evil ATF is chasing in on him, they are the, alien, they are the fellow Lamachians who try to show up to rescue ALF. It's the same characters. So they actually tried to tie the continuity back together. So it's like they, they actually tried to give the show a plot. In spite of how... The show did have a plot. It certainly had some kind of plot when it was a sitcom. I did, uh, so, Journey's End. I, ne- I never... You make the last episode of Alice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can I just jump in there? Because I made a mistake. Um, about, thank you, Darth. Um, I'm going to ask Ian to read out some of the text. Uh, I was asking in text, Diane, but I've realised through Darth that you can't see it, um, to whether you want to come in next. But um, I'll just give you a moment to compose that. If Ian could just read out some of the text for us, and then if we can go to Diane, and then maybe back to Tim. Yeah. Um, Darth mentioned in, in chat um, that, that ALF won the People's Choice Award for Favourite New TV Comedy Programme in 1987. 
Um, I, mm-hmm. I I personally loved Elf. Thought it was fantastic. Um, I loved it at the time. <laughs> yeah, um, well, and Randolph all remembers the, the talk show. I didn't think uh, I'd ever find myself saying this, but I'm actually trying to look up Elf on EpGuides.com at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and of course, everybody remembers the 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 '96 um, telemovie with Martin Sheen. Yeah. How did I know you were going to say that? <laughs> even Flip Networks, you know. Uh, yeah. I, I yeah, don't know like, if I ever even saw that. I remember the cliffhanger. I remember the cliffhanger, but I don't know if it ever came to New Zealand because, of course, you know, something is is uh, you know once once thing, something's ended in New Zealand, it's like very little done to. Um, well, to bring stuff back, you know. There well, yeah. a couple lines about putting the, putting the tanners into witness relocation. And basically, Alf's just been observed for six years, and then things happen. I can give you the full, the full rundown, though. It ran from September 86 to March 1990, the original show, Alf. There were 102 episodes, one special episode, and one TV movie. I'm betting the special was the Tonight Show report, the Tonight Show parody in the Alf time slot. <laughs> right. Okay. We'll come back to you. Well, every, we'll come back to everybody more than once. But um, mm-hmm. Diana, you were uh, up to speed. Oh uh, yeah. Um, I had wanted to recommend a show. It's not a comedy. It's more of a drama, but it does have comedic elements. And uh, it's, a, it's a new show that just came out that's running now over the summer called Defying Gravity. Okay. Uh, it's, now, there, there's been some people who compare it somewhat unfavorably to Grey's Anatomy, which is it is very similar to that show because it was created by people who used to work on that show. Um, so it's kind of a, a workplace thing, only in this case they're astronauts on a... Uh, long-term space mission and uh, it's really a good drama and it's starting to get there's you know more mystery coming in but it it does have that light bubbly feel that uh, Grey's Anatomy has just the it it mainly pokes fun at the you know just the way people interact and the you know the funny things that happen all right uh, any more you want to just mention at the moment, or will you come back in a bit? I can come back. Okay, before I go to Tim, I'll just play another clip, and this is from Mork and Mindy. It's slightly longer, uh, 1 minute 20 seconds. Are these people all aliens? Well, they must be. They're here. Excuse me, are you from Romney 5? Oh, no second nose, I guess not. <laughs> I'm here to register, I'm an alien. Fill this out and bring it back to me. No sweat. No, 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 no. Okay. Didn't even pay him when I told him I was an alien. I see hundreds of aliens every week. Wait till Orson hears about this. Whoa. Check this out. The ten most popular people. Real nimnos. Those are criminals. Criminals, nimnos, they don't look too swift to me. Whoa, this pen's on a leash. What's wrong? Did you write a bad check? <laughs> See, name? Mork. Easy, one down. What's the residence? Fork. Two down. Education? PS 1,006. 
Graduation date, Betty Lou Zumbach. <laughs> Residence, Mindy's house. <laughs> and the occupation, observing your primitive planet and reporting back its customs to Orson. Okay, uh, obviously, uh, Walk and Mindy there. Um, I don't know whether you want to actually comment on that particular clip. Tim, I'll just mention some of the things that you like. Um, well, I've been so busy preparing for this trip to Cardiff that I haven't given this subject a huge amount of thought. And the, the main thoughts that went through my head, you've kind of put into the introduction of the show with your clips, and that was the um, Star Trek, the original series. There were certainly... There, there, were, there were some comedic, all-out comedic episodes like Trouble with Tribbles, and then I've not watched the original series for a while, but as I remember it, there were some more serious episodes where the writers had this thing of, oh, we've got to lighten the mood and make people come back next week, and there'd be a little scene where there was Spock and um, McCoy and... Um, Kirk. Oh, right. uh, and 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 there'd be some conversation where the three humans or the two humans in the conversation would get what they're talking about, and Spock would stand there looking quizzical and saying stuff like that is not logical. I'll <laughs> <laughs> raise an um, eyebrow. Yeah, I I think it's a trick that um, the original series of Star Trek pulled off considerably better than. Um, the next generation. So um, that, that, that can be a challenge for people in the room tonight. Can someone come up with a, a really good comedy episode of The Next Generation for me? Because I can't bring one to mind at the moment. But... Um, uh, you you want to answer that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, sure. Um, I forget. Uh, a Fistful of Datas. It's the ah, episode oh. where... Um, Data and Worf uh, go on to a holodeck that's a program that's running a Western program. And yeah. Data plays a lot of different characters um, in that simulation and I think becomes a threat. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but it's, it is actually more comedic than anything else. Yeah, uh, it's supposed what, what, to be uh, Worf's son that's written it. And right. so they arrive there and there's like um, uh, a good time girl whistling down to him. So he turns to his son and said, did you write this program? He said, well, Barclay helped me a little bit. I'll have to have a word with Barclay. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and that brings to mind really almost anything with Barclay, and it had at least a strong comedic premise, if not uh, a then-following serious ending. Yeah. Uh, let me uh, play uh, a little uh, another Star Trek one because uh, while we're on that, but this is from um, where they had mud that came in a couple of episodes, I think. That was his punishment. They had 150 of his wives that they'd released from his control 
to to pay mud back. I think that was from Mud Swimming, and I think there was another one called I Mud, an earlier one. Uh, so, t- Tim, you've really got the rumour, uh, and then we'll, if Darth wants to come back in afterwards, that's fine. So, Tim, any more you wanted to say? Well, I don't know how many people are going to jump down my neck for saying this, but I don't think I can enrage too many people, because I'm going to mention Red Dwarf. Because when, when Red Dwarf started, if you go all the way back to the first season of Red Dwarf and the first couple of seasons of Red Dwarf, it was a sitcom. It was... It was um, I, th- I think the writers, the writers managed to sell it to BBC Manchester by saying, oh, it's sort of Steptoe and Son in space or something, because <laughs> the two main characters are really working class and really down to earth. And... Um, bit more like the young I'm ones sure in space, I would think. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and and I'm sure there's some really hardcore people out there in sci-fi fandom that would really have it at Red Dwarf for not being proper sci-fi. But I, th- I, think, I think what they forget is that the writers are science fiction fans, and so they, they do come up with well-studied ideas. And the first few years of Red Dwarf, it is... It is a, a, it's a good, funny sitcom, and now and again they'll chuck in a really insightful science fiction idea. And then in the later seasons, uh, when one of the um, main writers had uh, left, and so the, his co-writer was having to work with other writers, they seemed to go down the route of, uh, well, we'll make it more character-braced, uh, we'll bring back Kachansky, and we'll make it a sort of comedy drama because we don't want to go all out on the sitcom idea anymore. And at that point, they tried to make it a bit more of a sci-fi show. They had a bit more budget to do sort of CGI and make the thing look a bit more polished. And then when they did Back to Earth, I noticed it was a sort of interesting compromise between the two because I was worried... Um, that it may uh, come back when they did Back to Earth and be the comedy drama route, but it wasn't really. They'd gone back to doing gag after gag and chucking in a a good, fairly solid sci-fi idea, albeit one that they had used over and over again. (laughs) Yeah, Um, and just let me jump in there. Charlie, thank you. You said it's from I, Mud, the Mud one. But I have got the... We've actually played this on an earlier show, but let me just play it. It's from the Red Dwarf um, Back to Earth. Where's Brighton? I need him. He's on holiday. Holiday? Yeah, a week off, no duties. Thought you needed it. Mr. Crichton is a mechanoid, a machine. Machines don't go on holiday. Who's next? The Egg Whisk? Two weeks in Mauritius? Booked him and your electric toothbrush a double room, have you? He was tired. <laughs> tired? What was it, metal fatigue? Holiday. Where's he gone? Um, broom cupboard on V-deck. Really nice shelf. V-deck? Why not B-deck or C-deck? Somewhere close. He wanted to travel. Didn't you read his postcard? He was loving it. Taking his feet off, unscrewed his head. Eyes bobbing about in a bowl of lens cleaner. Having the time of his life. And that was really quite early on, Tim, as you, you emphasised. I mean, I think they were very mm. keen, because uh, they'd been away for so long, to sort of, you know, get some good jokes right in at the start of the show well one of the reasons I'm in quite a good mood this week is because I've finally been able to 
order a video of Back to Earth because I was holding out and holding out and holding out on it because they'd, in all the pre-publicity, they'd, they'd told us it was shot on like the industry best HD camera. And I thought, I'm not buying that on DVD because I'd watched it on television and even in standard def, it was a good picture. And I thought, I'm buying that when I can get a Blu-ray of it. And finally, when I was listening to um, Scuttercast, uh, I don't know if there's any other Red Dwarf podcast, but Scuttercast is a UK Red Dwarf podcast where they're basically going back through every single Red Dwarf episode and watching it and reviewing it. And they have a few other sections on the show as well. And they dropped into their news section. They said, oh, oh the Blu-ray's coming out on such and such a day. And I went, it's coming out. Yes. <laughs> I was on Amazon that very day ordering it. Well, well, don't get me started on high definition. I've got a running battle with the BBC at the moment because they've dropped their their quality ratings. And just as a side, ITV in the UK just showed a film and the in high definition, the horizontal resolution, instead of being 12... Uh, sorry, 1920, uh, wasn't even 1440. They'd only used 980. That's they cut the resolution in half. They may as well have just oh, that's done a, it standard. That, that's an insult, isn't it? It, it reminds yeah, me absolutely. of um, now and again when I try and acquire high def stuff by, as we say on here, other means. And the trouble is sometimes you you can sit there for a couple of hours and download a file and not actually know what the resolution is until the file's fully downloaded and on your computer and then you play it back and it's got like NBC HD in the corner or whatever but it's some yeah. tiny poxy picture on your screen and you go, I wanted the proper version. <laughs> yeah, I've always almost been calling in a joking way for them to put the, the, uh, the logo back on so I know I'm watching high def. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, Darth, do you want to come back in now or should I play another clip? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it, I, I suppose I'm not all that interested in comedic moments that happen in, in what are otherwise science fiction shows, because you can find a lot of them. I was recently watching a, a reconstruction of the Highlanders and uh, from Doctor Who, and that is an amazingly comedic script. And it's really sad that we don't have that one on uh on in any kind of form except for audio because it, it would be lovely to see all the sight gags that are in it. Um, it's and, drag. Isn't it well, drag? Well, the telesnaps version isn't there? <coughs> isn't there a tele version? Sure, there's a tele... And then there are some people who have done some more uh, extensive um, reconstructions to it as well. But it's not just the Doctor and Drag, it's the Doctor changing his persona every five seconds. It's wonderful, wonderful oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Comedically. I remember, yeah. Uh, and, and it's really sad that we didn't actually end up with that version of the second Doctor, but instead one that was rather more bland than that. Um, uh, and and you, you can find little... The current Star Trek film is got a lot of humor in it, uh, but of course it's not really a comedy. Um, I think I'm a little bit more drawn to talking about shows that are comedy first and science fiction second, and in that vein, you know, uh, at least American history is sort of divided along two or three tracks. Um, one of the major tracks is, of course, the um, um, alien who comes to Earth. And here we see, you know, the oldest science fiction comedy, and that, that's my favorite, Martian, which debuted about uh, two months before Doctor Who in 1963. Um, and the idea there is really the same idea that you have in Mork and Mindy, 
um, and ALF even, uh, where an alien comes to Earth and, and has to investigate Earth and the differences between his culture and Earth's culture forms the basis for the comedy. Um, unfortunately, this show sort of predates the hardening up, if you will, of the the comedy category at the Emmys, so it didn't really get any Emmy nominations. But um, it has won some uh, awards, like from TV Land, which is about all it could possibly get at this point. And it's also won a Saturn Award. Um, but then after that, you know, you've got um, Morton Mindy, which is just fabulous. And, you know, not a lot of people don't realize now that it was as well nominated for a um, an Emmy for Best Comedy Series. Um, we tend to laugh at it now, like laugh in a bad way at it now for being kind of primitive, but it, it, it actually at the time was highly regarded, at least in its initial seasons. And certainly after Jonathan Winters appears as the son of Mork, um, it, it, I think, becomes hilarious. Um, and then you, you got the granddaddy. I mean, you got the, you got the one that is actually not just the, the best awarded science fiction comedy, but the best awarded science fiction period. And that's what we played at the very beginning, Third Rock from the Sun. Um, it's a show where its lead got a nomination um, in the Best Actor Comedy Award every year that it was available to be nominated. Um, and the show itself got several nominations. Um, a lot of guest stars got nominations. Really a, um, a an amazing piece of work. Uh, that successfully blends together science fiction and comedy in a way that I don't think any other live action has done. And then you've got kind of another thread running through, which is sort of action-adventure science fiction. It's stuff that we might not today consider science fiction because uh, the technology, which at the time was forward-looking, now seems to be um, quaint at best. And the best example of this is Get Smart, um, Get Smart at, at the time definitely was a, a parody of James Bond, but in that regard, it, it hyped up the or amped up the level of technology so that you had ridiculous things like uh, what uh, Ian refers to almost every episode of this podcast, the cone of silence. Um, and that show was amazingly well awarded. I mean, its director won a, a, an Emmy for directing. It's uh, Don Adams was the winner three years in a row of Best Actor, 67 through 69. Um, just a, an amazing piece of work in, in terms of it, the quality of its comedy. Um, and in that regard, too, you've got Batman, you know, the, the, the original Batman television series uh, with Adam West. That, too, was nominated for uh, Best Comedy in, what, 67-ish? Something like that. 66, I think. Um, and we tend to forget that as a well-regarded show because we look back on it now and think, oh, it's just camp. But the thing is, it was the best camp uh, that there probably ever was. Um, and and then you've got another strand, and that's the the animated strand that Sam was talking about before. Not only was the show that she mentioned a, a really good one, but I mean, you've got some really well-regarded stuff like Futurama, which ha has won the best animated um uh, oh, Emmy several times in a row beating out you know the Simpsons beating out Family Guy beating out some really heavyweight uh, comedy stuff but then you know back in the day of course you got the Jetsons which is a classic science fiction animated comedy um, so th there's a surprisingly a lot of stuff that's out there 
um, that maybe today we think of as being just comedy, but really it, it's kind of amazing how much comedy from the overall output of American television has been in the science fiction genre. Right. Uh, well, um, first of all, uh, Ian's trying to send me, I think he's trying to send me an audio clip. Have you got another one you actually want to play from your end, Ian, or are you waiting to send me one? Um, no, well, with all the problems I had uh, earlier today, I do not have uh, the ability to play audio into the show. <laughs> right. So, um, let me just um, play, I mean, we're, I'm enjoying the show, but uh, I definitely feel as though the UK end is being underrepresented here. Yes, so, uh, I'm going to play one that is from Goodnight Sweetheart, which is a time-travelling comedy show. Uh, right. But it's also got a funny take on Dad's Army in this, which, of course, isn't a science fiction show. Uh, it's actually set in uh, uh, the time of the Second World War. So it's just uh, 52 seconds. Come. Mr. Sparrow? Yes. You come in. That'll be all, Wilson. Oh, very good, Mr. Mannering. Uh, <laughs> shall I arrange some tea? Of course. Use your initiative, man. Public school education of the slightest idea how to behave in the real world. I understand you want to invest. Are you feeling quite well? <laughs> Who do you think you are kidding yourself? I beg your pardon? <laughs> well, it's... <laughs> Mannering and Wilson are very common names. Wilson may be a common name. But we Mannerings can trace our ancestors back to Hastings. And I assume you're both in the Home Guard? Of course. We're all doing our bit. Okay. Uh, uh, the, the, I hope uh, people, quite a number of the people in the room will recognise that. Um, uh, the uh, the Goodnight Sweetheart is this guy who uh, finds when he goes down this alleyway, he's transported back to uh, World War II London and he, he actually conducts two relationships, one in the present day and one uh, with a, a, a girl that runs a bar whose husband's away fighting the war. But uh, there's lots of comic situations, so it is mainly a comedy, and the science fiction only really uh, uh, is a device to allow him to be in the two different uh, time zones and to get that juxtaposition of uh, you know times and attitudes and things. Um, so, uh, yeah... Um, Tim, perhaps I could just bring you on in here. Uh, were you a good night, sweetheart fan? I'm really glad you brought this up, Dave, because I'm someone who buys the DVDs of it and re-watches it and force-feeds it onto their family at Sunday lunchtimes. Um, as, as I remember, as you say, for the vast majority of its episodes, it was just a standard sitcom. And then I seem to remember, I wish I had a better memory of this episode, but there is at least one episode where two characters show up who are sort of time agents or time police or something, and they chastise the central character, Gary, for his meddling in time. I wish I could remember more details well, about it. The, and I remember, the, I remember oh. when I saw that for the first time, I thought, oh, so the writers do actually want to send this show off in a solid science fiction direction. They don't just want it to be a comedy. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, uh, there's a couple of ones like that. There's one where he has this way into the past and then somebody just walks through the wall from the future and he comes to tell him he's closing this uh, this uh, 
breaking fabric of time is closing it down. So, of course, Garnier then has to decide whether it's going to stay in our time or go and live permanently back in the past. And then there's another episode. Well, no, I don't think it's the same episode, uh, but he leaves the shop that he runs of memorabilia to his friend. But unbeknownst to uh, Gary, another trader from the future comes back and he thinks that present-day stuff bought from... He's getting it through two time zones. So he's coming from the future back to the 1980s and he's getting stuff brand new from the 1940s. So uh, mm -hmm. there is some science fiction elements to it, certainly. And it's an interesting show as well because um, it ends with a narrative conclusion. Because, and I won't give away what it is because I'm sure a lot of people haven't seen it, but it, it, at the end of the day, he is exactly, forced, to, yeah. forced to choose between the two and he makes a choice, which is an interesting way to close the series. Yeah, and I, certainly, also I certainly remember there, was, there is the nightmare scenario episode where both of them do end up in the same time zone. I think I think somehow some bizarre reason they both end up in the present day, and I can't remember what? any details about the episode, but I do remember there is a scene where there's both Gary, Yvonne, right. and um, uh, right. what was her name, Phoebe, isn't she? Well, I'll say a little bit without spoiling it too much. It's a little bit like the uh, the Star Trek story of um, that where data, you know, a fistful of datas, because there are a fistful of Garys. Um, he splits off as he goes through the portal into his id and uh, different elements of him. So um, that is, it really is a, a nice little series if you can capture it. Um, I don't seem to have got any uh, file through from you, Ian. So um, let me go back to America and play you one more little clip. You're a... Spike! You're a bloody puppet! That was a very short one from what I consider to be the best Angel episode. And I think uh, before we started recording, Benjamin, you, you, you're pretty certain of which episode that's from, aren't you? Yes, yes. I remember because I watched the show first run and... I actually introduced that episode to my wife recently, and now we've got the Angel set, so eventually she's going to actually see the series. But that is from the final season, and it was the final comedy episode. You know, some episodes were more serious, more arc-based. Some were more comedic. This was the 14th episode of season 5, and it was the last really standalone episode, though if you look carefully, they're setting some things up in the background. The last time where some of these characters cracked smiles, others cracked smiles in later episodes was more ironic. It was the 102nd episode, and it ran in February 2004, and I believe the WB canceled the show uh, either just before or just after this one aired, but not connected to this one. The show's in troubled ratings, and the ratings had gone up, just not enough for WB's liking, but that's wasn't connected to the episode. Oh, Benjamin. I mean, if you don't know any facts about it, don't waffle. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this is a really good episode and definitely one to watch in widescreen. There's a network here called TNT, and TNT has the Angel reruns, and they chop off the sides, so it's a 4 by 3 showing. On TNT HD, they stretch this 4 by 3 showing to widescreen. And I've seen episodes like Smile Time on it, and they look terrible. 
having the sides chopped off and then stretched. You'll get Tim and me going on to get out DVDs then because... uh, Sometimes you can get away with it. That episode, you didn't because they were using the whole screen. They were throwing things all over the place. The, The famous hero walked down the aisle with Puppet Angel in the lead and everyone else behind him strapped... Take, takes up the whole picture, and people get cut off if you chop off the sides. And also, this this one moment, this one villainous dog. You have this crew of villainous characters. You can decide how much detail you want to go into, but they're planning this horrific act, and the dog is caught up upon making certain that the educational content is up to standard for the episode. For what they're going to do, that they can be evil monsters, they can go around killing things, but they also have to maintain their uh, propriety and educational programming. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's quite a a, a mixed bag of a show that really is. But you've just reminded me that um, in Buffy there's there's the uh, the hush episode where which that where there has the gentleman going along, and that really needs to be seen in widescreen. But that has actually one of the funniest bits. But, uh, listener, dear listener, uh, I can't play you um, a clip of that during this show because it's miming. But let's just pretend that uh, (laughs) Buffy is sitting in a lecture room where they're trying to decide what to do and she's making um, stabbing movements with a... um, her... um, what's it? uh, What's she call it? Uh, A stake. A stake. uh, And her movements... Her movements are misinterpreted by the rest of the Scooby gang. Uh, and a very funny moment, but of course, no narration to that little bit. It's called uh, the Hush episode. Okay, there's a lot of people that have talked very early on and, uh, and, and kept quiet. So let me just go back on some of the names, uh, back in the order we went. Uh, Romana, is there anything you want to add from what you've heard? I really can't think of much else. Um, That's okay. Oh, dear. I'll um, go to Charlie. Basically, and, it's, uh, oh. I just can't think of anything to say right now. <laughs> okay. Okay, right. Well, just well, think we'll, I'll drop Dave? back on you again. Ian? Dave, um, I wanted to bring up one that uh, that Randall Thor put into the uh, chat. Um, Good. I don't know if anyone remembers. I don't think it lasted. I think it lasted like maybe uh, one, two seasons. Uh, a show called Briscoe County Junior. Um oh. One season. One season. It was actually rather funny and 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 did feature some kind of sci-fi elements because it. Uh, if anyone remembers uh, the movie um, um, Wild Wild West, um, a lot of the technology that they used in there was is very very steampunk in its in its in its origins. As far as you know, they would use things that would be you know quite at home in our time, but you know built around that kind of the whole steampunk thing where it's, you know, it's hooked up to a, a, a locomotive and uh, I'm I'm trying to... Diane, why don't you take it from here because you know... Oh, it, it actually aired the same year that the X-Files did. And in fact, they were paired on Fridays. Uh, Bristol County was on at 8 and then the X-Files was on at 9. And in the beginning, I actually preferred it to X-Files and was a little heartbroken when it, when it got cancelled. Of course, it starred the um, wonderful Bruce Campbell, uh, and it even though it was a western, it was more of a comedy, and and like Ian said, it, it had the you know kind of steampunk 
uh, type vibes like the, the Wild Wild West did. And in fact, it was it's more of a it's more of a descendant of the original Wild Wild West TV show than than the movie. The movie was awful. We we haven't even mentioned things like Back to the Future and things like that, which had an awful lot of comedy elements in them, uh, and yet were quite complex science fiction stories in their own right. Okay, what about Charlie? Can I? I'm going back down the list again. I was actually was going to think about, I was going to mention Back to the Future. Um, no, not I, I, I'm I'm drawing a blank right now, so uh, okay. I think I've well, said everything. Well, okay, um, well, I. I had two oh, of, I wanted to throw in there just just for people to comment on if they remember them um, that were in black and white. Uh, my favorite Martian and uh, Mr. Ed, who maybe you can't get much oh, more science oh, fiction oh, oh, than a talking now, horse. We've, we've all got to do our impressions now, haven't we? Hello, my name is Mr. Ed. Will Wilbur. It's comedy fantasy, because I like to think of the yeah. Back to the Future okay. movies as comedy fantasy rather than actual solid sci-fi, really. Well, as I said, there's no science involved just because it's a horse to talk. <laughs> I know. Now, if Herbert had been a scientist and did experiments on the horse resulting in his ability to talk, then it would be sci-fi. But, but, the horse but all we know there may have been, all we know is he owned a horse and one day it decided to talk. Who knows oh, what gosh. the breed of the horse would have been a scientist off. himself. Diane, you've opened oh, up a whole... You've opened up a whole I world of spin off like. series here. You've brought up the whole world of these flubber films as well now with Fred McMurray because he said the scientist element of it, but comedy as well. Well, yeah, and I mean, course, there's, a whole, there's a whole sequence of, of Disney films that, that dealt with science go awry. The, um, uh, all the ones that Kurt Russell was in, the, the computer wore tennis shoes and. There was one where he was uh, invisible. He was made invisible. Right. And then the, the you know, the Nutty Professor things. Oh, of course. But the original, Teddy Murphy, yeah. Well, there was the originals, which was, I believe, Fred McMurray. I think that's yeah. what it was originally called, the Nutty That's Professor. right, the, the flubber, yeah, that's right. And, uh... So, that's to say that, you know, through the, the 60s and early 70s, they, you know... That was Disney's stock and trade. It was, it was a Kurt Russell made his whole career. <laughs> <laughs> What's Benjamin Paul? Mr. Ed never got his royalties, leading to cynicism in later life. He dabbled in the dark arts and because the crime lord... Right? Oh, and became, became the, crime. the crime lord bad oh. horse. Everyone was so busy <laughs> talking, I figured I better just type it out. <laughs> so he became, did get his royalties... Did, did you not see that huge lorry of sugar lumps pulling up? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Charlie, it looks like you've thought of something since I asked you last. Oh, just, I was just thinking of the Gilligan's Island episode where the professor builds a robot. Right. <laughs> well, lost in space, of course, the whole of oh, yeah, lost in space. space. And I think Darth's a bit of an expert on this, where they, they changed the format and the makeup and they brought 
Mr. Smith in it and, and, and seem to increase the comedy elements. Is there anything in that, that what you'd like to mention, Darth? Or? Sorry, I missed a few words there, so I'm not sure what you're talking about. Uh, well, I mean, one of the other, the other things, he mentioned, Charlie mentioned Robot, and that reminded me of the Lost in Space, you know, with Robbie the Robot and the Mr. Smith character. And I remember you talking a little bit about how they'd, they'd changed the whole idea and premise of that show midway or something and made it more humorous and fantasy-like. Really? I, I, I know practically nothing about Lost in Space. I don't really remember making that comment. Well, it must have been um, a, it, a lubricated uh, podcast. In, then. In, the, in the original pilot for Lost in Space, um, Dr. Smith or Mr. Smith, he was more of a, yeah, he was more of a sinister character. Because you know he sabotages mm -hmm. you know the Robinson uh, spaceship, and then uh, I think uh, like soon afterwards he became more you know the uh, oh the pain the pain you know he became more of a character uh, you know caricature. A bit of pain in the rear. Yes, from, from 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 my memories of it running for a few years on ITV in the UK, they used to have it on about Sunday lunchtime. I don't think they aired the earliest episodes because I remember watching it and thinking, this Dr. Smith guy, he's so eccentric and so comedic. I really can't think of this show as a sci-fi show. I just think of it as a, as a sort of family comedy show that's got some sci-fi elements. Yeah, yeah. Which, of course, think, was one of the problems that uh, Ian and myself had when first uh, trying to... Um, nail down this topic mm. I think it, it's, it's one of your wisest moves yet to, to merge the two shows you had in mind together uh, it, let me, it, let me prove it a little it's bit one of those where they feed off each other yeah because the, the, you then have the, the, the other problem of uh, so many of these shows now have outtake shows where um, it might have been thought as a serious science fiction but the outtakes are funny Mm -hmm. You're going to admit that tachyon ship beam, ship it down to the ship, and we'll ship it out of here. Here goes. <laughs> I mean, they made a whole new uh, element of shows there, because, uh, I mean, I'm sure half these actors uh, make bloopers on, on purpose nowadays. But that, as they say, is for another show. Uh, who have I, I missed out um, going back to... Uh, Diane, do you want to come back in, or uh, Ian? Um, I've been unable to find the, the sound clip, um, and so I will just mention it, because right. it, it wouldn't be a show that I'm in without a mention of everybody's favourite robot, Metal Mickey. <laughs> yeah, boogie, boogie, boogie. Um, I, I mean, it's... Got a good and bad rap. I mean, it's it's remembered for being, you know, a, a, especially when you were a kid. It's a good show because all you really noticed was when Mickey was in the room and making a smart aleck comments. <laughs> Basically, the, the the base premise of Metal Mickey is a little whiz kid. He's about 15 or 16, builds a robot, which is basically too big for the house. Um, you've got a wisecracking granny who lives in the house as well. And... Uh, and, and a dad who can't stand the robot, and uh, the robot's in love with the uh, the whiz kid's sister, uh, and comedy ensues, of course. Um, 
but it, I mean, there's some charming moments in there, and uh, especially the the grandmother, the interplay between the grandma and and, and Mickey. Um, it's fabulous. It's, it's one of those things that when you revisit, you're like, oh, really? Um, it's the thing I love. But Mickey in himself is is funny. Um, so check him out because he's uh made, trying to make a comeback. He's actually got uh, a little website out there and some humorous little uh, blogs and stuff. So uh, I love uh, Mickey. Um, well, while you're talking about him, and a friend of mine on Twitter, Begansani. Mm-hmm. Um, now you'd have to do nefarious means, including including the words proxy and server. Mm-hmm. Which of course, this show does the, not condone. We, we, no. which, which we don't remotely condone. It only sprung to my mind because uh, certain people from Radio Free Scar have been talking about it on Twitter this week. But on ITV's website, apparently there are some episodes of um, Metal Mickey available to stream. Lovely. Lovely, jubbly. So, so, so... Boogie, it's, boogie, it's, boogie, it's, boogie. It's, it's, it's there if you're prepared to go off and... Um, do certain things with the internet. <laughs> Aren't you mixing your robots there? Isn't that boogie boogie boogie? Isn't that from Book Rogers or something? No. No, no, no. Twinkie's definitely biddy biddy biddy. Yeah. Yeah. It's about the only thing I can remember about Book Rogers is that yeah. robot. Yeah, <laughs> which doesn't say much for the the show about show in terms of plots or characters or anything. <laughs> My only two memories, I th- wasn't that the show where they they took a dog and disguised no, it as ba- a Battlestar Galactic and had the silly that was, dog, that was, wasn't it? That was Battlestar. Oh, oh. You want to talk about a bad TV show? On, Diane. A bad sci- sci-fi comedy show was. Uh, I can't remember what it was on, but it was called, I think it was called Small Wonder, about oh, a, yeah. a dad oh. who's an inventor, and he decides to make, uh, you know, an android to, you know, be a part of the family, and it's a, a little girl. Vicky. Yeah, it was, it was really, really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Ran four years. Uh-huh. I, I, remember, I, I, I would say, uh, I remember an episode where, um, Vicky introduces him or herself to uh, another person. Says, "Hi, my name is Vicky. What's your name?" And she has a stutter. She says, "Pop, pop, pop, Polly." Hi, pop, 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 Polly. So that, that's that's how. Uh, I remember it being one of those shows that was that was almost so bad it, it was good. Obviously, ITV in this country were forced to show it because I remember <laughs> when I read about the way these deals are struck that you. You go to a Hollywood studio, you may also have like a TV arm that make a bunch of sitcoms, and so you can say, oh, I'd like to buy um, 15 or 20 films from you to show on my channel next year. And they say, uh, yes, uh, that, that's all right. Uh, well, the terms of the contract are this. You can have those films and at this price, but you must also buy. <laughs> and I have a feeling it was one of those kind of programs <laughs> that ITV went, uh, oh, okay. I guess we could stick it in an afternoon slot or something when there's not too many people watching. But I do remember looking up clips of it on YouTube earlier this year, and there's a really bizarre... I've not seen the whole episode, but there's a really bizarre one where for some reason there's two Vickies 
because the human son of the family has for some reason been dressed up as Vicky as well. And I'd love to know why. <laughs> I've only seen a short clip of it on YouTube. Oh. It's very bizarre. Yeah. Uh, I, I, do, I do remember that she's this robot, but it's a secret that she's a robot. And so right. most of the episodes seem to be various ways of how do we stop people working out she's a robot <laughs> and there's a noisy neighbor and and, and the noisy neighbor is about the only likable character in that show <laughs> she's quite well written actually the noisy neighbor but right they okay, kept the well, secret about as well as Hannah Montana's secret what? right I've just got um, let me just uh, Cut in there a minute, folks. I've just got one more last clip to play. It is one we've had before, and it just brings the, the conversation possibly to another slightly different area, and that's where there is comedy or humour in a science fiction, but it's not what you would call laugh-aloud comedy. It's uh, irony or satire or whatever, and, of course, it's from Dr. Strangelove. You, you will have heard it before if you're a long-time listener. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine, and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. <laughs> now then, Dimitri, you know how we've always talked about the possibility of something going wrong with the bomb. The bomb, Dimitri. The hydrogen bomb. Well, now, what happened is... Um, one of our base commanders, he had a sort of, well, he went a little funny in the head. You know, just a little funny. And uh, he went and did a silly thing. Well, I'll tell you what he did. He ordered his planes to attack your country. Uh, well, let me finish, Dimitri. Let me finish, Dimitri. Well, listen, how do you think I feel about it? Can you imagine how I feel about it, Dimitri? Why do you think I'm calling you? Just to say hello? Okay, uh, I don't know whether at this stage of the program uh, people want to maybe actually rule out satire as part of the remit of this show, but uh, I thought I'd at least include that as a, a last clip. Well, um... I don't know if we completely rule out satire, but I don't know if I would really consider that to be a particularly good example of it. Um, in the the 90s, there there became a wave of um, uh, sort of metafiction uh, that dealt with science fiction that was com comedic. And Randall Thoris just mentioned one of the classics of that, and that's, of course, Mystery Science Theater 3000, wherein the humor isn't really about... Um, situations that have been set up in, within the fiction of the show, but really it's commenting upon science fiction um, in a comedic way. That's a good example. You also have uh, Space Ghost Coast to Coast, where there's a former superhero who hosts a late-night talk show. Um, and most recently, of course, you've got um, The Big Bang Theory, which is a, a series from this year in American television, actually, um, that has... Uh, attracted a lot of attention um it's it's a comedy about science fiction geeks it's not really about a science fiction plot but uh, about people who are rather like us i guess 
um, who happened to be living in, in a, a shared domicile and what hilarity is, ensues from that. And it doesn't necessarily in the description sound all that funny, but when you actually watch it, there are lots of in-jokes that are based upon um, knowledge of science fiction products. For example, recently there's um, there was an episode wherein a lot of the humor was derived from the guy's um, in the show insulting each other with comparisons to various Star Trek films and it runs throughout the entirety of the show it's not just one gag but rather a running gag throughout the entire show and that has uh, garnered a, a Television Critics Association Award this year for Best Comedy so yeah, you, there, you if, have, if, I, if I may uh, interject something into that um one of the examples I love is the way they got Sheldon to go to a Renaissance festival. <laughs> Do you remember now you're going to have to explain to me what a Renaissance festival is. Oh, God. Diane! <laughs> help! Um, a Renaissance festival is a excuse to dress up in Renaissance-era garb in play act. Um, ah artisans and food booths and they do uh, entertainment uh, we have yeah. we have a similar thing on our side of the Atlantic called the seals knot don't we um, Dave they do they do sort of um, reenactments oh, yeah, uh, of um, wars and that sort of thing, and thing they, yeah. they get they get hired quite a lot for um, films and TV shows when they want like a crowd of people because they'll just show up and they've already got the uniforms, and they've already got the guns and everything, so it saves people a little bit on their budget. Okay. I didn't mean to derail you there, Darth. I just wanted to interject one of one of my one of the examples from the show that that I really love is how they got them there. So please continue. I didn't mean to. Well, I got an example too from the show that I love. They bid on uh, a prop, but what they thought was a, a scale replica of the. Uh, time Machine from the original uh, 1960-whatever movie, The Time Machine. Only when it arrived, it was actually full-size. It was the actual prop from the movie. And uh, the the four boys pulled their money to buy it, so they were going to share using it. And so they let Sheldon go first, and he started it. And then the other three standing around suddenly started moving in slow motion. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Darth. Continue. No, that, that's that's perfectly fine. That's uh, it's good to have specific memories there. Um, and I I don't know. I I wouldn't think that it's yet in the UK, but it might be coming very soon. But it's it's definitely worth it's, a watch of at least a, a couple of episodes. Is it really? It's been oh, okay. showing. It's, it's been on, showing it's on down it's late nights on. <clears throat> Go on, Ramona. <laughs> it's on. It's on prime time here in Australia. Oh, good. Uh, well, in the UK, it's been bought by Channel 4, and when it has been on, it's been on at 11 o'clock at night. So I've caught the odd one or two episodes, and I do wish a channel would show it at about 10, because I could commit yeah. to it then. Is, is it a there, miniseries? There are, 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 I'm, sorry. I'm, is it a miniseries? Sorry, sorry, what? No, I was just saying that <laughs> I remember I, I often am sitting eating dinner in the living room and my parents, you know, they, they don't watch much science fiction and they're just, you know, skip through and it's on the TV. 
say, on free-to-air TV at about 7.30, 8 o'clock at night. So it's oh, good. pretty big down here, yeah. It's, yeah. And they, yeah, it's like, I think it's like back-to-back with like, they had to do some, I think they do Two and a Half Men or something or another show I really don't like. And, and then from, I don't know, I'm not a fan of American sitcoms, even this one. I watched it and I thought, oh, painful. <laughs> there is that, but anyway... Right. I mean, it, it does definitely trade. <laughs> sorry, you faded out there a little bit at the end, but yeah, you're right. Oh, does... oh yeah, I was going to say it called Ranch because I really don't like them. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it yeah. does it does trade on stereotypes, but nevertheless, it it has one uh, uh, some critical support. And to answer Dave's question a little while ago, it is not a mini series. Uh, America doesn't really do mini series anymore on uh, network TV, at least. Uh, that much. Um, right. It's it's a full series of like twenty two episodes or something like that. And as a half hour Char- sitcom. Half hour sitcom. Yeah, um, as, as Charlie's how, pointing out, it's many, into his third season. Oh, it's in. Well, I've managed to find the website of where it uh, airs in the UK. And the good news for me is that Channel Four that have bought it are now showing it on E4, their, their digital channel, and it's on at 10 o'clock at night on their digital channel, and they're at the tail end of season two episodes. The most recent one listed is episode 20 of season two. Oh, I'll look and check and see if it's on the, uh, the oh, Watch Again, the, four, the, the Channel 4 Watch Again as well. Also, it is just available with... through uh, your travel agent. Good <laughs> <coughs> travel agents. Yes, in case you uh, have a habit of taking red eye flights. Oh, you're talking now. Yeah. Watching television. Which yeah, you, pers- yeah. Personally, I only do in extreme circumstances. I'm I'm not a habitual red eye person. Miss. Sometimes it comes in handy if you want a quick catch up. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I have to half the time living down. <laughs> uh, has it made it to um, DVD box set yet? Because I, I could mainline it, <laughs> I could certainly mainline it. I've been main, been mainlining an, an old show that's got nothing to do with science fiction, but I discovered through digital TV called um, Sports Night. I could burn out and it aired on easily enough. on a channel over here called Paramount Comedy Channel, which has now rebranded itself Comedy Central. Actually, no, it didn't air on there first. Sorry, it aired on ABC One, which has now shut down in the UK, but. It was one of the few programs on ABC One on Freeview that I watched and I went, this is really good. And then I yeah. discovered off a, a, a UK critic, William Gallagher, that it was written by the guy that writes The West Wing. And yeah. my jaw dropped, because I've tried watching The West Wing and people rave about it. They say it's this amazing show. I so can't get into The West Wing. But, but, but Sports Night is an amazing show. Uh, by I, the way, I, yeah, Tim, wow. you put the link up. Sorry, Darth. Um, that Channel 4 one, it actually says some of the programs are available on iTunes, so whether that particular series is available on iTunes, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if the Region the 2 release is available, but you can buy Season 1 on Region 1 DVD now, and Season 2 of Big Bang hits Region 1 DVD in mid-September. Isn't he beautiful, folks? Isn't he beautiful? Yeah. I actually had you sorry, can sorry. Get, you can get region two and region three, I mean sorry region two and region four, first season and region two second season is coming out in October. Awesome. Right. Now so. keep uh, 
Ian Happy, he sent me during the course of the chat his little clip of Metal Mickey. So, are we going to humour our little host and uh, play that now? Little? It's not just him you'll be humouring. It's a little clip, not a little host. <laughs> oh, sorry, okay. Uh, do, you, do you need to introduce it at all, or should I just play it? Just go ahead and play it. Here's Metal Mickey, folks. Basically, we now know what asylum would sound like if they'd taken the wrong drugs. <laughs> well, we've gone to Charlie, yeah. So a bit like Marvin on, on uh, Marvin on Sleed, isn't it? Well, it, yeah. well, it, well, it struck me. It, it's one of those really weird voices that it's only at the end of each word you can actually tell what he's saying at all. <laughs> Is that a real Your mind suddenly goes, I want to watch that now. <laughs> As I was saying to Ian, if you're in the UK, some of it is available because it was an ITV show and they've kindly put some of their back catalogue up on their website. Right. Also, but, I heard um, they did release it on DVD, but it's it's now looking in the uh, bargain bin. Oh. oh. You'll, yeah. you'll, you'll, have me, you'll have me grabbing the laptop and doing a bit of Amazon. <laughs> Yes, sounds but, uh, like next week's show, isn't it? Uh, oh, yeah. no, two weeks. You can also no, look it up, of course, on Wikipedia, which gives you a full rundown. Um, uh, but Meadow Mickey was actually produced and directed by none other than Mickey Dolenz from... You read Monkeys. my mind. I was going to bring that up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Check out Metal Mickey. He's fun. He's a lot of fun. I barely he typed the word Mickey Can be your number one into UK making. Amazon and it actually started completing my, my my sentence and put the words Metal Mickey DVD so lots of people have been searching for it it's oh. available in the UK on DVD season 1 complete DVD £9.98 from Amazon and season 2 DVD £9.98 from Amazon awesome Okay, right. uh, well, where are we up to now? Are we up to a, a last go around the room, Ian, or what? I think so. Right, well... Uh, I was going go to go off topic a bit, because um, while I've been... Um, uh, while you guys have been talking, I was catching up on Twitter and having a slight conversation with um, Adam J. Purcell of the Staggering Stories team that led me in the direction of a convention that I'm going to in October and they've added a star guest to that convention so I'll bring that up when we go around the room at the end uh, well uh, wasn't it uh, somebody in our room that was saying that they were a guest on the Staggering Stories 
episode? Not exactly. Um, I um, I, I sent them some feedback and sent the introduction for a story that I hadn't quite managed to write yet. But I sent them what I had, and they um, did a full-fledged radio adaptation on the fly, including changing wow. one person's oh, wow. name because the person was missing from the panel. <laughs> I'm really uh, smiling now because of <laughs> what episode of the prospect was it, of two really at 53 count today. Okay. It'll, it'll be the latest. This, this 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 was what all the tweeting was about because um I've been following on Twitter the fact that um fake Keith of staggering stories was busy with their edit and um 36 of um bridging the rift it was knee-deep in editing, and so I said to both of them, okay guys, it's a race. I've got my laptop, I can sync my iPod, which one of you can get your show online in time for me to listen to it on way home? <laughs> and one. The, 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 the winner was staggering, yes, by about nine hours, Aww. but Bridging the Rift is out as well, and so staggering will take me from Cardiff to Paddington, and hopefully Bridging the Rift will take me all the way home. Yay, right. Bridget. Yeah, Bridget. Okay, well, let's uh, just give everybody one last chance then, uh, and I'm going down the list as they are on my screen. So, Charlie, any closing thoughts? No, I think I've said what I've uh, wanted to say, so... Well, thank, thanks. Uh, you're becoming a regular yeah, with thank us, you. so uh, thanks for joining us. Hope you come back again. Uh, yep. Benjamin? Comedy and sci-fi are both used by writers frequently to put things in different contexts to get their views across where discussing them in straight matters might cause people to take offense. Therefore, it seems only natural that the two get mixed a lot together, that comedy mixes with sci-fi, sci-fi mixes with comedy, and suddenly bad horses and all sorts of other chaos emerges. Excellent. Um, God, does he, do you write that during the show? <laughs> no, I he's he's just been phoning up for the past week, hasn't he? Yeah, it's called having a discipline mind here. done his homework. Discipline mind. Darth, yeah. any closing thoughts? Um, well, perhaps only on a couple of modern British shows that we've failed to mention. Um, last year, of course, there was Clone which was a BBC Three comedy with uh, Jonathan Price and Mark Gatiss, uh, no strangers to neither Doctor Who or science fiction generally, uh, nor to comedy. Uh, and it, it's had one series so far. I'm not sure that it's going to get another series, uh, given... I'd be surprised. <laughs> well, yeah, but especially given Gatiss' uh, commitments to uh, the new Sherlock Holmes thing. Um, and then there was also Hyperdrive relatively recently. Um, oh, that was awesome. Another show that was another show that was terrible. Okay, okay. Well, die people. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that only exemplifies the point that really, and no offense to anyone British, but there's not a whole lot of great lasting British ideas in in science fiction mm -hmm. comedy, aside from maybe, and I, I hate it, but it certainly had a long run that it didn't deserve on the back of ratings of its first season, and that's Red Dwarf. Um, but a, 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 aside from, you know, that and, you know, My Hero, maybe, there's not... And I was kind of... Gonna, uh, sorry, go If ahead. you're going to drift away from television, Darth, let's not forget there's been five Hitchhiker's books, 
and they've all been successfully adapted to radio. Well, of course, the first one started on radio and was yeah. is mm. erroneously thought of as a book first. Um, but you know, again, I don't. That, I'm talking about written for TV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and in terms of writing for TV, the British don't have have a great record in terms of drama, but they have a terrible record in terms of comedy. Um, and I'm not sure why that is. And it'd be interesting to explore one day why that phenomenon exists, because I think it's pretty true. I don't think that's being terribly uh, nationalistic to say. Um, no, uh, of course, some didn't make it across the Atlantic. I mean, I don't know if you ever got fl the flip side of Dominic Hyde, which was a science fiction and comedy. And uh, The Good Night Sweetheart I mentioned earlier. The Good Night Sweetheart series. Came, yeah, it came over here, but I discount that as science fiction because it's really, I mean, it's basically time a time travel. Tra time travel show. It's not science fiction, but, you know, that's a what? debate what? debate we've had before. Well, I think as soon as you say time travel is science fiction, then you have to say, well, Bewitched is science fiction, and then you have to say that, you know, I Dream of Genie is science fiction. Just the yeah, act of time travel is not science fiction itself. But in, anyway... As I said earlier, Darth, there are certain things that are, that are, that are comedy fantasies. This, this, of course, was why we combined our two shows into one... To avoid <laughs> arguments. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, let's give Darth a chance to end up, and then we'll move down. No, you can go on. Okay, thanks for that, Darth. I mean, as always, um, I think you have a great perspective on these things, and uh, sometimes uh, Ian and myself just go with the flow rather than be ultra, you know, analytical, and uh, it's nice to have the spread of opinions on the show, mm -hmm. so that's great. Uh, Romana, you want to end... Um, yeah, oh, last thoughts really. Um, I have no thoughts really. Um, my mind has gone blank. Um, although in Britain, we never really talk about hitchhikers at all, but you know, we've done shows on that in, in its entirety. But you know, um, it's one of my favorite, um, as you'd call it, sci fi comedies. Um, out, so yeah, that's right. all I really got to mention. Okay, um, now we won't be talking about it, I think, during the recording, but. Ian, we'll be asking you a little bit about the show that you're going to help with, although oh, perhaps yes. Ian, uh, Ian might decide whether we want to just mention it before the recording ends or not, but just keep with us mm -hmm. a little bit longer. Diane? Yeah, I will. Um, yeah, well, it, it came to mind when uh, Darth was talking about Big Bang Theory that it, it actually has a precedence in British TV with uh, the show Space, which was, although it itself wasn't science fiction, it dealt with science fiction and and fandom and geekdom and all that. That was one that we that David and I had brought up, um, but unfortunately we we do some of these planning meetings um while drinking with while drinking, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Diane's been there for I the aftermath. In my defense it was four o'clock in the morning. Oh, you and your excuses. Mm. And how many bottles of wine? That's no, ex well, that's no excuse. I've been known to stay up all night to come on CIA. Yeah, but if you had a bottle <laughs> of wine bed, while you're at it? I'd go to bed at 8, eight o'clock in the morning, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not anyway. a bottle of wine, but what's up? Yeah, let's up? keep individual peccadilloes out of this. Let's uh, <laughs> <laughs> move down the road. Um, so, um, if, uh, I'm not cutting you off there, Diet, and have you finished? Yeah, I'm done. Right, uh, I don't think I've missed any. Have I missed anybody out besides Ian and myself? 
Me? <laughs> Go on, Tim, then. Well, I'll, I'll end by saying Red Dwarf rules, as does Goodnight Sweetheart, even though it is, strictly speaking, comedy fantasy. And, uh, well, I have a little item of late-breaking news for us, and that's that um, the Time and Again convention, which is organized by the Doctor Who Appreciation Society, and it's being held, I think, on the 10th of October, have added Tom Baker to their guest list. And it's the first time he has done a convention for DWAS in over 10 years, according to uh, the update on the homepage. And right. so the, the guest list of this um, event is now very eminent. It's got Tom Baker, Sir Derek Jacobi, Peter Purvis, Katie Manning, Mary Tam, Philip Hinchcliffe, Jane Hale, Prentice Hancock, Colin Spall, Trevor Cooper, Colin Ryan, Dan Hall, Maury Lang. This is why I'm having to stay round to friends that weekend. This con doesn't end till 10.30 at night. <laughs> right. Anyway, it's so a, it's, it's being, a, yeah. oh, being held in Hammersmith, seen... West London. Sorry. West, where again? I apologise. Mm. Where? Hammersmith. Uh, the, the, a very historic venue as far as Doctor Who's concerned because the Riverside Studios on Crisp right. Road in Hammersmith's Right, and uh, they are premiering premiering the UK premiere of the new colour version of episode three of Planet of the Daleks. Good. Uh, for people who are listening to this uh, show later, just please t bear with us that the fact that we do do this live with people from all different areas of the world. Sometimes there's a slight time lag that accounts for us talking over one another. It's not done deliberately, and we try and separate that out so that you can. Uh, enjoy uh, uh, listening to all the different opinions, um, but uh, it, must, it seems certainly that the, uh, the both the sixth and seventh Doctor, uh, Sylvester McCoy and Colin Baker, they're certainly well uh, working hard, and they're both in the either uh, well, let's say the mid 60s, and uh, I think a couple of them, have, in fact, they both just had their birthday recently. They seem to show no signs of slowing down, and that is absolutely great for the fans. And as I said right at the beginning, and I'll do my closing bit so Ian can have his say and perhaps decide if he wants to mention a little bit about next week. Uh, and if he if he so chooses, when he's finished all the talking, I'll play his Metal Mickey thing to, to lead <laughs> us out at the end. But from me, uh, I just feel as though we've been a little bit one-sided uh, and not perhaps emphasised enough of the British ones but that's probably uh, my fault and maybe uh, others in the room because um, uh, well perhaps Darth's right there just isn't that many for us to actually categorise and, and, and throw into the mix but I, I really did uh, and enjoy Goodnight Sweetheart uh, and one or two of the other uh, British science fiction ones like I said the flip side of Dominic Hyde and uh, again I, I, I'm uh, stretching my mind to try and think of something on the spur of the moment, I can't. So, without further ado, um, I'll hand back to Ian to wrap up the show, and I will play us out with your metal Mickey, just to give you a little thrill, Ian. Hockey dokey. Uh, well, I'd like to thank everybody for joining us today, um, and also I'd like to thank everybody out there in Download Land who downloads and listens to us humble folk over here in the, at the Golden Collective podcast. I uh, just wanted to let you know that. Uh, Next week's episode, episode six, 
Saturday morning kids cult TV. All those classic things that you used to watch uh, <laughs> you used to watch on a Saturday morning. Thundercats, Voltron, Scooby Doo. He Man. <laughs> My Little Pony and Friends. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we will be discussing uh, this. This kind of came out of a, a, uh, a discussion Dave and I had about bringing together um, show titles and, and things that we could discuss. And so, I mean, it's not necessarily going to be science fiction. It's going to be the stuff that you grew up watching in the, on those Saturday morning slots. Things that. Uh, Things that are on right now. I know my son uh, definitely uh, gets up early on a Saturday morning to watch uh, any number of cartoons, and I happen to follow quite a lot of them because I find them to be quite a, a an interesting uh, advancement. Looking back on some of these things, they're not as wonderful as I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, following that episode, um, and I've yet to discuss the <laughs> date of said, said episode, but uh, coming up in the next couple of episodes, Samantha will be taking over the reins, and we will oh, be doing God. a slash show. Now, would you, as, as cleanly as possible, oh, Romana, explain yes. what that show will entail? It's nothing to do with violence, obviously. No, okay, so if Slash basically is a thing fandom where, um, goodness, trying to explain this without cracking up. Adult, um, adult relationships? Adult, adult relationships, sometimes quite intense between two male characters or even female characters, basically. Um, and pretty much just the show is going to be explaining the whole parts of Slash in fandom and where it starts from, where it started, where it's going, where it is right now and why we like it really because if you don't really know much about Slash and you find out what it is and going, why do people like this? Why do straight girls like watching two men snogging? You know, but we do, so we'll be talking about that eventually, really. So, so look forward to that. <laughs> Okie dokie. And on that note, I will build you all adieu. And see you all next week. Dave. And we'll go safely back to the uh, innocent world of Ian and Metal Mickey. Bye, all. Bye. 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 Goodbye. (laughs) Not really. I'm Metal Mickey. I am a bot. A hot bot. My first ever smoky tastic blog. I don't do washing up or make coffee. I'm far too sexy for that. I'm an acting robot. Like to be or not to be. That is a the question. Boogie boogie. Boogie boogie. Let the boogie begin. I love you all. <laughs> Go to metalmickey.com for more of metalmickey. Boogie boogie. I love you all. Boogie boogie. Let's have a boogie boogie.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.